welcome, welcome to the Boss Lady Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Holly Sexton, along with Megan Stiff. Welcome to this edition of the Boss Lady Coaching Podcast. Gasp, a man. Jerry Marquez. <laughs> for the but I'll, I'll survive. <laughs> we'll make it through together. So Jerry Moraz is with us. Uh, Jerry has enjoyed a 38-year career in the Defense Department, serving for 22 years in uniform in the Army and retiring as a Lieutenant Colonel, and followed by 16 years as a Department of Defense civilian and later a Department of the Army civilian. He's a graduate of Idaho State University and the Naval Postgraduate School and Norwich University. And he and his wife live in Elizabethtown. They have four children, six grandchildren, and two fur babies. You know they love them. Their dog's names are Bella and Chloe. And we're so happy to have Jerry on the show today. So welcome, Jerry. And Megan, this is a milestone for the Boss Lady Coaching Podcast in its third season. I know. We had talked about this for a long time, who was going to be our first uh, male guest. So I think the topic that we're going to talk about today is really a perfect fit, no matter what gender you are. No matter your background, I'm so excited to dig into our topic today. Same, same. And thank you so much to uh, those who are following on Instagram and Facebook at Boss Lady Coaching, uh, telling us what you think about everything that's going on from public health to RISE, which is hosted by Elizabethtown Community and Technical College. Megan, would you give us a brief update on RISE? Sure. Thank you so much, too, for helping to continue to get the message out about this event. We've had an amazing turnout for each weekly session and um, RISE as an overall program tackles really tough issues about race, inequity, and really digs into how we can take steps to create a more equitable community. And we do that through a different lens every week. Uh, this last week was workforce development. Previous topics have been around criminal justice and education. Um, so we still have several weeks left. It's seven weeks total. And um, our next topic is health and wellness. So um, no matter what your interest, every week it seems like we could go longer and longer than the, the one hour we have. And since it's all virtual, it, it really does fly by. Uh, but we have just been so grateful to see the continued interest and action being taken as a result. So it's going to continue to do great things here over the next few weeks and information on how you can sign up is available through ECTC's Facebook page. Thanks for the update, Megan. I really appreciate it. And we'll continue to talk about RISE over the coming weeks because we think it's important to continue the conversation, even though some uh, spirited conversations may have died down on social media, it's still very much an important conversation for us to continue to have and uh, to educate ourselves, especially when that education is virtual and it's free. So again, you can find out more information through ECTC, also on Facebook and Instagram at Boss Lady Coaching. Now, Jerry and I met when he was in leadership when I interned for a summer at Human Resource Command Fort Knox, and he and I have hosted radio shows together. I've called him in sports announcer emergencies when I needed somebody to be a sports announcer. And I adopted him as a mentor. Uh, he didn't know it, Megan, but uh, I just, it was just meant to be for me. And, and I just kind of just scooted right on up to Jerry and, and eventually formally asked him to be a mentor to me. So uh, that's the best way to start. <laughs> Well, I don't know if there's protocol for that or the right way, but that's just kind of how it evolved. 
But Jerry, you're such an inspiration to me. And I think it's important in the Boss Lady Coaching Network to realize that we can find mentors no matter what capacity we're in in our career or personal life, and they don't have to be female. So thanks for letting me just uh, <laughs> it's to your wagon. Well, not a problem. And I, and I think you hit upon something that's very key for me when I've talked about the topic of mentoring is that it, there's, there's great value in reaching outside your niche or your career field or your comfort zone, if it is. Uh, you know, I, I think if you, I do quite a bit of reading, do a lot more reading now that I've retired. Uh, and when you read biographies of, of people who are successful, who've been important folks in the world, oftentimes they draw mentorship from people from all, all walks of life. And, and there's a great amount of power in having somebody bring you a perspective. Maybe, maybe it validates what you're doing, but just, just to get a different kind of perspective than you would normally get at work. Megan, who have been your mentors or who do you currently have as a mentor? I think it definitely has changed throughout my career. Um, I tend to really be drawn to work for people that I consider mentors. Um, I've always kind of charted my career path based on who I wanted to have as my boss. (laughs) Uh, So definitely um, Chris Woolworn, my former boss at United Way, um, certainly Dr. Pate, oh my gosh, talking about somebody who's brilliant to just soak up their guidance and experience. Um, but also people like Hank Manjo from um, AT&T. I know he's a mutual friend of ours, speaking of radio appearances. Um, I know he like he might be in that same category, too, and might not realize that um, how much I've turned to him for advice and, and feedback over the years. But he's another one that comes to mind as somebody that, even though I don't get to see all the time, if I had a question or needed guidance on something, I know I can turn to him. And um, we could talk about Star Wars all day, but also I could get some really great advice. <laughs> It also, yes, it helps to have something in common. And that's interesting to hear about Hank. So how to, shout out to Hank Manjo. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. and AT&T is a little different than the type of work I do every day. So I think that's a great uh, point about it doesn't have to be the same industry or the same field. So Jerry, would you tell us a little bit about your background with mentoring, uh, being mentored and being a mentor? Well, it, it was a strong, it was a central part of what we did in the military. Uh, and it starts out in, in uniform and there's and of course, any good military thing is wrapped around bureaucracy and you have to have a program and a plan and, and some PowerPoint slides. But, but, but seriously, it, it, it's a part of the leadership approach in, in the Army and the military in general uh, is we are, we were, and, and they still are constantly engaged in growing leaders, uh, in, in growing people up through career paths. And that's done not just only by going to school and gaining experience in the workplace, uh, but those times when you would pull people aside and say, we would call them sometimes, you know, footlocker counseling. You go sit on a footlocker and, and just talk about other things, uh, getting to know, getting to know your soldiers, uh, getting to know the officers above you, uh, and, and sharing some of those things. So, so much of my experience, I, I tend to keep it in that, in that military framework, but I think back. Uh, before I joined the Army. Uh, one of my mentors, um, a very important man in my life, was a guy that I worked for, <clears throat> a foreman on a, a state highway crew. Uh, probably taught me more about strong work ethics than, than anybody else that I've ever encountered. Um, so I, kind of throughout my life, I've it, maybe, I have to go back further than that, probably starts in the Boy Scouts for me. Um, and I think if we all stop and, and 
put that label of mentor on somebody, we'll find that there are a lot of people in our lives who have influenced us at various points. And, and mentors don't always stay with you all the time. Uh, sometimes it's for a, a season of your life or a particular uh, passage that you're going through. Uh, but I, for me, mentoring, being mentored and, and providing mentorship for people goes back a long ways. What are some of the important qualities a mentor needs to have in order for them to be, I wouldn't, I don't even know if I'd use worse, maybe compatible, compatible with someone. What do you think that those uh, characteristics are to be a strong mentor? Well, you used it, an important term, compatibility. It, it has to be, I was in a program when I was working at the Defense Intelligence Agency and um, they assigned as a part of this program, as a year-long training prep program, uh, they assigned us an executive coach. And, and this person was supposed to be your executive coach and mentor. Uh, and they just assigned somebody. And I, it, it was awkward. Um, my mentor, my executive coach was a great person, but we just never clicked. Um, and so that compatibility is big. That's what opens up the communications. Uh, I think from the mentor side of, of the world, a very important aspect is that you need to listen. Um, and, and actively listen to people. Uh, you shouldn't, if, if you're a mentor, you think you're a mentor, and you find yourself doing all the talking, you probably need to step back and, and rethink that whole process. Um, so there's got to be listening, there's got to be empathy. Uh, you know, you've got you've to listen to what people have to say and, and have some, some care and feeling about, about what they're going through. That was one thing that stood out for me um, when I came to Fort Knox. Human Resource Command, if our listeners have never been there, it can be intimidating. Um, everything from the security procedures to before you know before you even get to your desk, <laughs> there's so that was our goal was to intimidate you, so we were effective. <laughs> but you listened, and I was just so surprised with where you were, the position you were in with the Human Resource Command, that you would listen to me, a student at the University of Louisville in an intern for the summer. I was just just blown away by that, to be frank. Well, one of the things, and we, we worked on a mentor program at HRC, and, and one of the things that we had, we had to, we would generally not have a problem getting people to want to be mentored. Uh, the challenge was getting senior leaders or leaders at any level to, to step up and do it because it, it takes some time and it takes time away from other stuff that you do. And, and what one of the, the pitches that I would use for people is you learn a lot by being a mentor. Um, the example you give of you and I is, is a perfect one. We were working to establish a relationship with the University of Louisville. You were one of the first people, if not the very first people, to come in and do an internship outside of our technical areas there. So trust me, I was listening to you to try to pick up, you know, what's it feel like to be that student who's coming in on an internship. I'm taking all kinds of notes because it's, um, you know, it was, a, it was a learning process, a learning experience for me as well. You know, I've really been blessed to learn from some of the uh, professionals I've worked over the years as maybe in a mentoring role to them. And what that really taught me was about how important listening is. Um, I know that's not, wasn't always a strong suit. And really that's actually how I got into coaching to begin with was because I found that when I would get nervous or felt like I was trying to uh, make everybody happy by filling the space with 
words or ideas. Um, I really knew I needed to become a better listener and I wasn't quite sure how to do that. So with um, some training and my coaching experience, um, really was able to work on that. And uh, I think the one of the things I learned, it's very similar in what I do in the fundraising world where they say 75% of fundraising or 75% of coaching is listening. And the other 25% is awkward pauses, <laughs> meaning that you should be waiting to listen and have others fill in before you just jump in trying to respond. Um, it's really about listening. It's about listening and it's about listening. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely uh, grateful to all those who have been patient with me as I continue to try to work on that the likability factor or that feeling that we have to perform or fill a space. And I know females feel like that often. Um, we feel like we need to make everybody in the room comfortable. Some of us do. And it is really a skill to build, to sit quietly and, and listen and or listen with your eyes, <laughs> you know, as well. Um, and we can, that can be really hard for us when we want to make sure that everyone's entertained and feels welcome and comfortable and safe. And um, so that's, that's a really interesting perspective that I, I hadn't thought, would, I didn't think would come up in this conversation. So Megan, do you think that that was innately because of of your sex or do you think it's driven by personality? I think it's really been both for me. Um, I'm hardwired to be a very codependent, people-pleasing person, which has taken me 35 years to unwire those natural tendencies and they still tend to creep in day to day. So I think some of it is just natural inclination to want to want to have an answer, want to help people, want to facilitate and keep things moving. Um, but at the same time, I think there is that expectation of women that, um, and maybe it's also been because having to fight for space sometimes in conversations, especially in, um, you know, the nonprofit world where sometimes you only have a few minutes to make a pitch and get in and get out. Um, so I think some of it's been those dynamics of, um, not just being a female, but sometimes being in, um, a very different space with people from all kinds of generations and just trying to to get a point in where I can. Um, so I think there's, there's all these different factors that have come together where that's definitely been a challenge for me and it's one that I'm still not perfect at, but uh, that's, that's really what started my coaching journey was just wanting to learn how to answer or ask better questions and wait and really listen and, and participate in the conversation rather than listening to respond. I think you've hit on, on a really key thing, especially for women in, in, in the work world and, and in nonprofits, wherever you may be, uh, being a little more uh, mature, a little older than both of you, I will tell you this, I, uh, yeah, I graduated from high school in 1973, uh, and, and I, I, I began my, my work experience in the world probably in the mid to late 70s, and part of that time I was, I was working in a police department. And we had our first female officers uh, come to work at the police department. And that was amazing to watch because unfortunately what would happen sometimes, uh, women would come in and either want to be, they would kind of want to outguy the guys, you know, be the loudest voice at the table and be robust and in charge and on when it wasn't really appropriate or be meek and quiet. And that's not appropriate either in that line of work that, that typically had been viewed and still to, to this day, I think is viewed as kind of a masculine, uh, work field, uh, it, that's a tough thing to navigate. And I think the, the women that I saw that became successful uh, 
in that environment and in the military too, uh, use a lot of the sit and watch and be quiet. Some, there's a lot of value in not talking uh, and, and not uh, in whether it's, if you want to get into the gamesmanship, it's not showing your cards. Uh, sometimes you just want to sit back and, and observe and be quiet and listen um, and, and let people let people kind of make, you know, let, let them run out there and, and, and maybe set themselves up, unfortunately, sometimes. But uh, how you how you deal in those situations, I think it's I think it's tougher for women. I think there's because men, unfortunately, have preconceived notions to this day about how women should act or how people around the table uh, to, should act. And if a woman speaks up loudly or harshly, it, it, it's that, oh, yeah, it's just that's just women. And that's the way they are you know, a guy, a guy may get a pass on something like that. And that's not fair, but that's, that's unfortunately the, the environment that you guys have to compete in. That's an astute observation. And thank you, Megan, too, for commenting on that as saying it eloquently when I couldn't say it, you mentioned fighting for space and Jerry also, um, that's a conversation too about equating femininity with being demure and masculinity with being confident and maybe even a little aggressive, but pushing an agenda or getting what you want. Uh, when it comes to your workspace. So um, that's definitely, maybe Jerry will have to have you for a conversation. <laughs> we, bring that, we bring that back into mentoring because that, that is a, that's, that's a good discussion that you can have with somebody who's a mentor uh, to talk about, you know, describe a situation. Hey, look, I found myself in this meeting. This is how it laid out. Um, you know, what, it, what could I have done better? What could I, you know, where did I go wrong? Uh, a mentor who's not, invested in that particular situation can give you some candid advice and say, well, you know, here's some, here's some different approaches. Here's some different ways that, that you could have done, gone about that. That's a good point. And that's what intuitively drew me to you is that I didn't have to fight for space. Um, and you felt it, it, and it gave me confidence that you from the very beginning included me in the senior leadership conversation. Um, and you introduced me to everyone and it was, it was very clear from the beginning that that my my lowly position where I was, if you were to look at the hierarchy of an organization, um, that didn't really seem to matter to you. Well, I think from <clears throat> and it didn't, and and I was looking for you, and you did this. Uh, is we were we were desperately looking in the, in the project we were working on for uh, fresh eyes, and you brought that. Uh, but. I, to go back to the mentoring piece, uh, again, I, th I think there's all, I, I've read this time and time again, is that, you know, your boss should be your mentor and, and you can ask your boss that, yeah, bosses can be mentors up to a point, but as a boss, I'm going to comment, <clears throat> I'm going to comment on your performance. I'm probably going to write an appraisal for you. I, there's a, there's a different relationship. I give you a task. I expect it to be completed. Um, when you and I work together in that fashion as, as, as a, with me as a mentor, I guess, um, I, we don't have that kind of relationship. I can give you, quite frankly, I can give you more candid advice uh, that way. Uh, there, and you're not as, you know. And if I if if I say something that's a little a little out there, it doesn't quite work for you. you just put that put that piece of information in your kit bag and see what somebody else has to say. Um, and I think it goes back to what I said earlier about mentors from different realms uh, can really have more power sometimes than mentors who may be close to you in terms of workspace or where you sit in the hierarchy and all that sort of thing, because they're, they're really kind of outside that level. 
where can our listeners find mentors or how can they find out or find or network to become a mentor? As I mentioned, some places I've been have had actual programs for that and we sign people up and there's lists and things. I honestly am not that impressed with those programs. They, they tend not to work that well. I have, I've never really stopped to count the, the people that I mentor because the number kind of changes over time. Uh, there's one individual uh, here in, uh, in the county who is, who is somebody that I think he considers me his mentor. He approached me about 10 years ago, uh, just kind of out of the blue. I had never met him before, and he came to me and he said, hey, look, I know what it is you do at HRC. Uh, these are some of my career goals. He was working in a different command. We never, we never have worked together. Uh, and he said, I just, you know, one day I want to sit where you sit. And he, he was junior to me uh, by a bit. And that I've had a number of people just make that bold look. That's, that's somebody I think is doing something right, or I want to know about what, how they got there. And you ask them. And I, and I think it requires a little bit of courage, but I think people would be surprised that, that folks in senior positions, quite frankly, it's a compliment. It makes you feel good. It's like, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that's how I was, how I was viewed. And they will, it, it's gratifying. to It's a time to give back. Uh, and as you approach uh, a more senior position in your career, uh, as you get some years behind you, you get to the point that you begin to have this feeling that I need to make sure I'm, you know, am I doing the right things to prepare the people below me to come up, to step up? Who's going to take my place? Uh, and if you don't take some action to cultivate those people, to help them grow, uh, there's going to be some gaps out there. As you're asking about who who you consider mentors, I'm thinking, gosh, I mean, it's almost like every person we've ever had on this show, <laughs> I could in some way, shape, or form. I, I think what we are talking about today is that more um, structured relationship um, where that's um, something that you both really talk about and, and work towards shared goals and providing that more in-depth feedback. But um, when I just think about the relationships we've been cultivating, I've learned something from everyone we've ever talked to or worked with. And I think, you know, I'm very grateful for that. And I think there's more we can do to continue to leverage those relationships and connections to help each other. Holly may come to me and say, Hey, I, I, you know, I'd like you to be my mentor, talk a little bit. Maybe I think, you know, I'm not the best match, but you know what? I know somebody who would be great. Yes. And, and sometimes that mentor can just simply make that introduction. I've been called in the past to say, Hey, I want you to go out to lunch with this person or let's go meet for coffee. And, and, and introductions are made, and, and that's, uh, that networking is, is very powerful. That is such a good point. Megan and I took a lunch, I believe it was last year, and we had a delightful conversation. The food was great. The company was great. And we got to meet this new person um, who had recently, was a young professional, and had recently moved to Elizabethtown. And really, there was no action that came out of that meeting but now we know her a little better and she knows us a little bit better. And you're right. Now we're able to make that recommendation where she is to us. Um, and, and it was definitely worthwhile. How often do we reach out and say, I just want to have lunch with you to get to know you. Like <laughs> that doesn't really happen, at least in my world. And, and I guess now that we're all behind screens, um, isolating for a while longer, it's, it's still going to be a rare thing. But I think we, we need to do more of that. We need to have those brave asks. And also be accepting that if someone asks you to have coffee or lunch and no agenda, just get to know each other, um, to go with it and, and accept those opportunities. Well, and what you've described is the real difference between a boss and a mentor. 
A boss is going to give you action items. A mentor is going to listen and maybe give you some advice or some opinions or share a story of an experience they had. Uh, but you don't walk away with a to-do list after you've met with a mentor. And there's just a lot of value in that, in that conversation and that sharing that goes on. On Boss Lady Coaching, we talk frequently about career. We talk about family and women's health. But I don't think that uh, we've made enough time for fun. And I don't think that we've made enough time for pursuing higher education just because it's something that we're interested in. So I'm fascinated to hear about, you know, you, you have a BA in political science from Idaho State. Uh, you are a Naval postgraduate. Um, and then you ended up going to Norwich University. So would you share a little bit about uh, Norwich and, and what you took on there? I am a veteran of, of, of the, the Gulf War, I served in Iraq. Um, and after I retired, the, the VA program kicked in and, and, and VA education became an option. All of our kids had graduated from college, so for me to pass on that, that education opportunity, uh, I didn't have that, wasn't, wasn't needed. So there I sit with this opportunity to have VA-funded education. I, I came upon Norwich University program in American history. I love history, love reading about it. Um, and so I did that through the VA. Uh, to, I worked on pursuit of master's degree in American history. And it was amazing because the other degrees I have, there was always this, I have to get a degree and get a go get a job. There's, there's, there's some relationship between that. This degree, nothing. I was doing it because I wanted to. Um, but what I found out was that by doing that, by, and again, stepping into a field that did not appear to be directly related to what I did, um, I got a huge amount out of the program, but what it gave me was some perspective on where I worked and how I worked with people. And, and some of it, it was just as simple as reading the stories in history of, of leaders and how they dealt with things. And I might find myself in a somewhat similar situation um, to be able to call upon those lessons learned from them. And it's, it's one of those, to me, it was actually kind of some, uh, something I could reach out and grab onto in that, in that whole realm of, of being uh, a lifelong learner, uh, which I, I kind of consider myself to do that, to be in that sector. <laughs> um, but this degree really made, it helped me to focus on, on that study. And I think we sometimes tend to look at training and education that it's got to be related to my job or it's got to be related to the next job I'm going to have. Um, and I don't want to make that that's important. We need to do that, but it's also okay. You know, you should take something to round yourself out, uh, take a poetry class, uh, learn how to do crafting of some sort. Uh, that, that kind of thing is important because you're not going to work all your life. That's fascinating that you were able to parlay that into other areas of your life uh, because I was like, well, Jerry did this really cool thing where he just went to school for fun. <laughs> well, I, there was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work, but it was, it was very, very fulfilling and very enjoyable. Well, cause I, I just think that you never are done working on yourself and it's great that you took every opportunity to continue to learn and pursue something you're passionate about. And I think it, what I found as a mentor and as a boss, uh, it was that opportunity to, it's one thing to tell people, hey, this is what I think you should do. And that's, those are hollow words if you're not following that same advice. Uh, people that worked for me, I think were, I didn't talk about it a lot, but they were generally aware that I was, that I was working on that degree. And it makes a, it makes a difference when you have a conversation with them about 
furthering their education and and stepping out and and continuing to learn and do and 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 it's not just about training in your eight to five job that this is going to take extra work of your own free time. Megan just announced that uh, she is going for her her doctorate, and I think the path that she's chosen chosen is very smart, and the the community is going to benefit from it. So, Megan, would you share a little bit about that? Sure, I'm uh, way through my first class, so uh, you know, I have a long way to go still, but it's uh, I'm loving it. Like I I think it sounds crazy when you're like I'm going to decide to go back to college in a pandemic, but um, I think the timing of everything that's going on right now is it's giving something for my brain to focus on uh, that's uh, really interesting to me that I can apply to my work day to day, make me a better person and a better leader. So um, really enjoying it. Remind me, I said this when it's dissertation time, uh, when it's comp exam time. But um, for now, it's uh, I'm, I'm just absolutely really, really loving and enjoying it. Fantastic. Well, Jerry, you get the last word. We have about a minute left before Zoom kicks us off. But before we go and, and before you close us out, I want to thank you for your service um, for our country. And I want to thank you for being my mentor. Well, it's an honor to do both of those things. And and I, I think what I would what I would like to leave with everybody is everybody can be a mentor. This isn't just for old guys like me. Um, you can be a mentor to somebody who's coming up. I, the way I look at it is, is I read an article once by a guy who I really respect, and he talked about mentoring his son. And he said, you know, I'm not smarter than he is. I'm just, we're like, we're walking down a trail and I'm ahead of him. And so I can turn around and tell him about where the obstacles are. And maybe by the time he gets there, the obstacle's been fixed, but I can share with him what it's like to be down that, down that path. And that's mentoring. It's sharing with those fellow hikers what's going on. And you don't have to be that far ahead of them to be helpful. And so look to being a mentor. And if you need a mentor, be bold, be brave, and ask. The Boss Lady Coaching Podcast is a traveling podcast. And we're all about for-purpose influencing. If you like what you heard, please share it. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Boss Lady Coaching. And find us on SoundCloud and iTunes at Boss Lady Coaching Podcast. You can also check out our website where we have free tools, books, a blog, and more. We are hosting events too. So check those out at BeTheBossCoaching.com. The Boss Lady Coaching Podcast, copyright 2020.